Why is it so early? Because, Lawrence, um, you've chosen this. <laughs> you've chosen to punish yourself. <laughs> I did. This is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts, reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, our ideas, especially now that, you know, a lot of us are getting calls to open back up. So your stories let us know that we're not alone, and it also provides information so that we can all be informed. So email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with friends and colleagues, family members, the guy that you yell at sometimes because he parked too close to your car. All those people, (laughs) we want these stories to be heard. Uh, They're human stories, and we're all human. Yeah, so share it, rate it, review it, all of those things. Rate us. We want (laughs) to help the algorithms out. Help the algorithms, Um, guys. Yes. Today we're chatting with Eric Korsh, who is the current president of Scout Productions, which is an Emmy and Academy Award-winning production company known for their groundbreaking television series and films like Queer Eye, maybe you've heard of it, Fog of War, the Errol Morris documentary, (laughs) and their new show Legendary that's coming out on HBO Max. Yes, and I'm very excited. When Disney Plus came out, I subscribed right away. It's got all of Marvel, and it had The Mandalorian. And if you guys out there have not seen The Mandalorian yet, and you are able to, it was filmed in such a game-changing way with LED screens, so people were not on um, location, which I think is something that we could be moving into Absolutely. When it comes to movies and such. So take a look. So when I heard about HBO Max, I mean, mind blown because it's going to be of that, you know, level. So um, Mm -hmm. and then legendary, of course. So very excited about all of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Christian, what's going on with you? It's it's Wednesday, halfway through our week. My phone's going off, but uh, um, what's happening? So early for you. So things are well. It has been, you know, a very beautiful week here in New York. We keep Mm -hmm. getting updates, you know, thinking that we were going to be doing this for a lot longer than we were. We keep getting these like little blurb of updates when it comes to, oh, this one's opening up. I mean, I have a friend doing a producing a remote shoot today. Mm. I just think that, you know, life will go on. It seems whether the government says we can or not. I think that um, the floodgates are about to burst open. Full That's what it feels like. Of, yeah. And so do we embrace it and do it safely or do we wait the way that SAG is doing yeah. until there's a vaccine? Until there's a vaccine. I think it depends on the scope. I had a friend call me yesterday, said they were offered a job and was kind of panicked. Like, what do I do? And so we just talked about pros and cons and, you know, it's trickier for us producers. There's, there's a little more liability. There's a little more responsibility involved. But productions, they're going to have to figure out a lot of stuff. And there isn't a playbook for it yet. Right. There's a lot of different made-up playbooks. But, mm-hmm. you know, do you listen to the production company's playbook, the IOTSE playbook, the DGA playbook, or the SAG <laughs> playbook, or Kalosha, or whatever, you know. Everyone's uh, got knows. a different playbook. There's a, there's so, a gazillion of them. <laughs> putting together a shoot is strange, but it sounds like Christian L.A. County has targeted July 4th as the target date for a safe reopening of 
all businesses. So your phase of four here, basically in, is uh, heading right down the barrel at you. So, so those phases are L.A. City. <laughs> oh, Only ones that it. I've sorry, seen, sorry. that's L.A. City. Yeah, okay. This is L.A. County. L.A. County came out. The Board of Supervisors Chair, Catherine Barger, had a press conference yesterday and gave this date. So there could be a full or staged reopening of all businesses, such as retail, restaurants, and malls, areas of the economy that have been hit hard during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's unclear whether movie theaters fall into this reopening. And as a part of Tuesday's meeting, the Los Angeles County Economic Development Corps president, Bill Allen, said that the county has seen one million unemployed claims filed and that 75 percent of those protected job losses are from individuals making less than Mm $50,000 a year in restaurants and retail. Mm -hmm. So it's a big hit. And I can understand that they want to get things going again. I think it's just it's important that we all remember that nothing's changed. So even if we're excited to get back out there and start working, we just have to be so safe or it's just going to happen all over again. Right. And then to be a a big Debbie Downer, (laughs) my job today um, is to say that, you know, people, yes, we can open up all we want, but if people don't feel safe, they're not going to come to the businesses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the Restaurant Association, the small owners, met Mm -hmm. with the White House yesterday explaining that the needing to use this PPP money within, you know, an eight-week period is ridiculous. Nobody's going to be able to do it. Please extend it to 24 weeks, and then we can absolutely have businesses not go under. A real chance. So same with these employees going back to work. If the people aren't going to patron the businesses, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then how many employees are you going to be able to hire? And it's not like starting a business up from one model to the other model is something that can happen overnight. It absolutely isn't. And it's all going to be based on emotion and science. Yeah. So uh, emotional science doesn't go together. (laughs) Anyway, well, I thought I would put in a news story today about what people refer to as the quarantine 15. Uh Mm -hmm. And how I've been putting on a pair of jeans once a week, you know, or twice a week, you know, just, oh, I'm a great. And I realized (laughs) that the jeans have been a great barometer, (laughs) I guess, for Mm -hmm. what's happening. I did realize that, you know, not getting outside as much and not being as active and not going to work, it just no matter water challenge or whatever we do. (laughs) Yeah, I've gained some weight. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit and just, you know, bring it out into the light and say (laughs) that now that I've recognized it, and I should say too that I think the jeans that I chose were not the smallest pair that I own. So maybe it wasn't the right. Maybe a little unfair. (laughs) Wasn't the the right tool that I should have been using. (laughs) But that said, now that the, now that it's been recognized, you know, it's getting uh, prettier outside and the morning drinking is gone and all those things that it's time to maybe think about our health again, because being inside and, you know, a different aspect of our health. Yeah. That just because we're staying inside doesn't necessarily mean that we're being healthy. Exactly. And that's, I can only speak for myself. I can speak for myself as well. And this week I did make a conscious decision on Monday. It's like, okay, time to put down the drinks because that definitely for me packs on the pounds more than eating does because I still eat relatively healthy. Oh, yeah. Except the only thing is it ended up up being (laughs) all hours of the day. Mm -hmm. So. Put this back into a normal time frame, maybe a little less drinks, and let's get things back to normal. 
underneath here. Exactly. And so this article is from the Mayo Clinic. It's not a gotcha article. It just is explaining, you know, what happens, even though we're eating out less in restaurants, we're still, you know, not being as active as we used. Not everybody. I know that there are some hardcore folks out there who have been just fine. Totally. It's all uh, personality based. And now it's time to cut one or two of those things out. Did I share with you the article a a good friend of the podcast sent us? uh, Cannabis might block COVID-19 infection study shows. Shut the fuck up. I cannot validate this article whatsoever. It's Please on some website send this called, to me. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. It's on Interesting Engineer. You know, you sure. can validate it yourself. But uh, <laughs> just based on that alone, the headline alone, I will continue doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um, all right, we should get to our interview. Yes, it is a very special interview today. But first, go to our website. On there is a page called Take Action. There's still a lot of people out there that need help, even though it's things are sounding positive, things are coming back. You might be already back to work, but there are people out there who are still struggling. Feed the freelancers, donate blood if you can, donate a laptop computer to a child who doesn't have one, and please help save the post office. Yes, there's already a ton of, like Texas, the high court just said that if people are nervous about catching COVID, then they can do an absentee valid. Now, the attorney general is already repealing that for some god-awful reason. But yes, please save the post office. It's very important. Yes. All right, let's get on to our interview. Eric Korsh is the current president of Scout Productions, and he returns to the award-winning premium content creation company after spending three decades in senior leadership positions at the intersection of entertainment, media, and advertising, including Jelly Smack, Mashable Studios, and Digitas LBI. Prior to digital video production, Korsh spent five years at the global agency Digitas LBI, overseeing content and social media strategy for clients such as Bank of America, Harley-Davidson, Spring, General Motors, Puma, and Lenovo. Eric has produced commercials, documentaries, and music videos with Oscar winners such as Robert Richardson, Errol Morris, and Hank Corwin, and he has co-owned sound stages and motion picture rental companies. So let's take a listen. Good morning, Eric. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks Um, for having me. Of course. Love to know where you're at in the world and how you're doing today. Are you safe? Are your family safe? How's that going? So physically, I escaped Brooklyn for the coast of Massachusetts. Nice. The cold coast. So we're above Boston, not Cape Cod. Uh, Family is good. And in fact, I have some inbound Mm -hmm. children, one from L.A. flying in tonight. We'll then quarantine for a couple of weeks and hang out for six weeks working from mm-hmm. home. And my oldest and his wife just joined us from oh, wow. Rhode Island. So that was a drive. They were already quarantined. And the youngest wow. has been here for a couple months with his girlfriend. So we got a full house coming. Wow. <laughs> it's a Massachusetts party, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of spike ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it kind of goes to show like this is such a strange time and it's, you know, don't get me wrong, it's challenging and terrible for a lot of people. But when on earth do you get to have your entire family together and all be kind of in the same place and taking care of each other, right? (laughs) That makes it kind of special. Yeah. In a way, we had realized or thought we realized we were never going to have our kids all together again, Uh, you know, maybe, maybe over holidays, of course. But even those are difficult to get everyone together. But suddenly the one or one of the few benefits of 
this pandemic is our family's going to be together for a period of time. Hopefully not the last, but hopefully not for a reason like this. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we've introduced you. So we know a bit about your background and everything you're doing at Scout Productions, but would love to know what was happening in your world the few weeks leading up to all the shutdowns and, and when the pandemic really took hold, what was going on both with Scout and what you were working on at the time, projects in the works, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So we were extremely busy, deep in production on about six different series. Mm -hmm. And we were very fortunate that they pretty much all ended before either New York or LA shut down with a couple mm -hmm. of exceptions. Personally, I was in Spain, which is hard to even imagine, for the first two yeah. full two weeks of February. Wow. And there was like a little bit of background of something mm -hmm. going on, virus, people mm -hmm. sick, but not really on the radar. Yeah. Uh, and certainly not on the radar in Europe. It, we were looking mm -hmm. at China and the U.S. and it right. exploded mm -hmm. when we left. But probably like a lot of people, like I'd be lying if I said we had a solid understanding of what was to come. And it really didn't leak into the conversation very heavily until that middle of March around the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, because we were wrapping up production on a very big competition show that required a large audience that oh. generally uh. was being bussed in from New York, <laughs> hundreds of mm -hmm. people for each Oh, um, wow. episode <laughs> and you know the nba shuts down that week and right. people yep. are worried and so we we um i won't say what happened because mm -hmm. uh you know we're sort yes. of embargoed until mm -hmm. the show releases but you know we made some creative changes as we did on on other elements mm -hmm. of other shows so i i think we were a little bit limited in our foresight we were as production companies like ours often are reliant on networks yes. to be eyes and ears on what we can and can't do since they largely, you know, control mm -hmm. the experience for us. Looking back, I think we could have been more proactive and certainly are trying to be now as we mm -hmm. think at all about any kind of ramp up. Right. Well, moving forward, since <laughs> nice. Um, so moving <laughs> forward, how do you see the presentation of content changing taking queer eye for an example i know i've worked with uh, i've had the honor of working with jvn on uh, his 10 mm -hmm. nights of comedy tour mm -hmm. <laughs> i know you can be a little handsy you know it's a hands-on type of show you can you know you touch talent you present them with um you know you do all of that how do you see our today's culture combining with that type of uh, content? Yeah, I, and I think a lot of Scout content is, you know, physically touching and embracing. Yes. It's emotional. Mm -hmm. It's positive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, what, whatever the sort of criteria or topic. I've generally been thinking about it, trying to, to carve out elements. So one you know, section is scripted versus unscripted, right? Mm -hmm. We right. largely mm -hmm. do unscripted with the exception mm -hmm. of documentaries. Another mm -hmm. is geography, you know, whether it's international, right. domestic, mm -hmm. and even inside domestic, we can see now that there's some more aggressive places and others. Mm -hmm. But I think the common denominator for everything outside of, let's say, the structure of what the distributors are doing is talent. When are talent mm -hmm. comfortable mm -hmm. right. being 
you know, close to each other on camera, because we can all find ways of making production less intrusive, less expensive. But for the people that are on camera and have to emote Mm -hmm. and be near each other and engage, that's, I think, the the bar that has to get set, Uh, regardless of what we talk about for insurance and coverage and liability and all those other things. It's are talent willing to travel and to get close to each other. Right. The on-screen talent, exactly. Like seeing emotion on their face. And uh, if they're uncomfortable in what they're doing, we knew before this, <laughs> you're not going to get their best performance. If, you know, moving forward, uncomfortable yeah. is, yeah. If someone's been sneezing or they were just in a crowded green room or I don't know what's going to give them anxiety. You know, if I go by my kids, right. it's like a lot of things are going to give them anxiety. <laughs> uh, and it is personality based, I've found, it seems. Yes, too. <laughs> for sure, right? Some people handle things, you know, one way exactly. or another. But I think yeah. as I break down, again, the geography or different distributors will mm-hmm. have different, you know, you can do this, you can't do that. None of it, you know, it all will stop at whatever the talent is is able and willing to do. Right, right. Do you see any sort of impact on the way people interact showing up in the new content that you create once mm-hmm. whenever that is safe to do so and you're shooting again? Is it just back to shaking hands and hugging or do you think there is some sort of lasting effect? I certainly think there'll be lasting effects. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe we look to a places in Asia where, you know, we always giggle here when we see masks being worn. But, you know, does that become the norm and that giggling Mm -hmm. will stop and and Mm -hmm. be okay? From a viewer perspective, there's so much library content that's driving consumption right now Mm -hmm. that, you know, people will start to tune in and some shows will have a mask. Some will be from someone's living room and some, you know, were pre-COVID. I think we'll be used to that. From a production standpoint, I think people will lean in heavily certainly people are going to try and take advantage of things will be cheaper should be cheaper to make where this again unscripted it's all about the storytelling obviously we want things to look great but we can do okay as long as our story is okay we don't need maybe you know the big lights and multi-camera and all of that so scripted on the other hand is much more controllable and knowable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you know some pluses and minus to each. And has there been any discussion within Scout? You guys have produced hundreds of hours of content. Are you eager to get back to work and figure out how to shoot something now in this current environment with whatever modifications you have to make? Or are you just kind of cooling your jets and waiting until, uh, and I know we talked about talent feeling safe, but crew-wise as well. Yeah. What's your thinking on that? From what I see internally and hear from others, we all want to get going. Uh, Obviously, we want to know how do we do that safely, but everybody is, you know, to use the cliche, chomping at the bit Mm -hmm. to get back to work. Yep, (laughs) exactly. I think we've been in a little bit of, it's kind of funny, I'll call it pretend world, because our development and pitching continues unabated. And short of documentaries, unaffected by the pandemic, meaning we're generally pitching the same stories we would be pitching. We're trying to increase some documentaries that can be done without going into production or, Mm -hmm. you know, simple interviews are okay. But for the most part, we're writing and people are accepting our pitches as is. 
And then every once in a while, we'll point out, hey, that that show, we might actually be able to make that show now. You know, right. mm. we have a, a series. Archives. <laughs> well, we, we have something that launched two, like two weeks ago on True that's a follow doc series. Mm-hmm. It takes place in a town in Maine with 500 people in the whole town. We really live with just a few of them. And you could imagine like you could go up there, you could quarantine for two weeks crew of, I don't know, mm-hmm. five people and just yeah. follow them around like that's doable. That's achievable. Yeah. yeah. And then others are more like set and makeup and wardrobe and all the proximate activities yeah. that are going to take a little while. Right. Because, you know, safety is paramount. And, you know, it sounds like if you're still pitching and you're throwing uh, and ideas are getting taken, then moving into production is when you begin to think about how can it be done. Yeah. And then there's there's the different networks are coming up with different guidelines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, You know, there's SAG. All of them have something. Oh, it's exhausting reading them all. Exactly. Right. Unions, municipalities have a role. Insurance has a role. A lot of stakeholders. But no Federal doubt. Federal is the only one that doesn't have a guideline. It's crazy. No. <laughs> what, did, what did Obama call it? <laughs> I, some, something Sorry. about a mess. We try to not be political, but it's like I have a thousand guidelines in my inbox right now, but not one of them's federal. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. As you know, Christian, I mostly work in the commercial world still, but I imagine it's very much the same in the content that you guys are making, the the shows you're making. Do you guys have concern for, you know, at the end of the day, right, the safety is in the hands of producers, production companies, and there's some liability there. There's been all kinds of discussions in the industry about how to navigate this kind of new landscape, especially since insurance companies aren't paying for cancellation fees, Mm -hmm. workers' comp. Until recently, California now is covering COVID-19 as a workers' comp Mm -hmm. issue but uh, other states are not. So where's your thinking in that in terms of protecting yourself and also protecting the crew? Yeah, it's it's really confusing because when you when you liken it to any communicable anything, you're like, yeah. I don't is the flu is never been cut. Like I don't I don't know. Clearly there's something else going on here and I think it's hard to just carve out production. It's just our lives need to manage differently. And so I don't know. I don't think personally I have a fully formed opinion on where responsibility lies. Certainly Mm -hmm. on some level, it's with individuals like we all need to be careful. Everyone seems to be on board with there's going to be a set of things we need to do to keep each other safe. There's disinfecting equipment, few people, armbands for where you can go on set the cleaning, temperature taking, testing, all those things. From a logistics standpoint, commercials as we used to do, you know, maybe that's probably on average, if it's anything like it was 15 years ago, you know, one to three days shooting for an ad or for a package. And shows are obviously longer. So what I think about is, let's say we do all that. What happens when someone has it? Like, are we shut down for two weeks or is right. it, well, everyone's taking their temperature and we're fine. Like, so I think let's say that we all take the same precautions. It's just what happens when someone does have it? Does it matter like what their role was? If it was an office PA, do we, oh, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know what those guidelines are going to be. And of course, when you're doing sort of a work for hire business, 
as most production is, then you want your buyer to take responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unknown whether that will happen. And when we talk about something being covered by workers' comp, we're, you know, spreading that out across a, a broader group. But, you know, this may be another area that the government has to step in and regulate because fear will shut down, you know, or fear of these costs will shut down a lot of activity if they don't. That's a really good point. And day players is a big issue, Mm. too. You know, not just talent, but crew day players. If they go to one set and the next day they're gripping on another set for a different show and they're sick, then two productions shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And also, to your point, we're basing everything on trust as well. Like we're trusting the questions we've asked you Mm -hmm. are accurate and that you have not been around somebody with it that you know and that you didn't take mass transit to work. There's a lot of trust there as well. So we, you know, we think that some uh, sick pay should be introduced so people are encouraged to be truthful, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So since we're able to rewrite the new norm or the new guidelines moving into this, is there anything you would like to see change going back to work? That's a great question. And I don't know that I have a ready answer. I'm interested in seeing, like, there will be a new set of norms, let's say, for follow doc reality, a new set of norms for, I don't know, transformation. Same with scripted. You're going to have love scenes are going to obviously have a whole new set of things (laughs) they need to go by. Quarantine together for a while. there won't be any. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's all going to be computer Husband and wife teams. (laughs) (laughs) Husband, whatever. Exactly. It'll be necrophilia. We'll just use dead bodies, Mm. uh, body doubles. Mm. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Too strong. (laughs) Oh, that's good. But you got to brainstorm. (laughs) Got to brainstorm. Yeah, exactly. We're just throwing stuff against the wall. Going back to HBO Real Sex. Those were the days of um, (laughs) reality television, let me tell you. Yeah. We were just talking to an AD yesterday on the show and, um, thinking about everything needs to maybe slow down a little bit and get a little smaller. It fascinated me because it's a a little bit of an analogy with what's happened to our personal Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. So if you think the industry as a whole, maybe just slow down, focus a little more on personal care, personal health and safety and caring for people around you, that this is this is kind of the opportunity to really make those kind of changes in our industry and and our lives and our lives. That's a great Yeah, that's a great analogy, Mm -hmm. I think. It was reminding me a little bit, you know, in when I used to do commercials, you know, it it ebbs and flows with with budgets, but, you know, Mm -hmm. there was many days or years when you could look back and think, wow, we were extremely excessive, right? We would build standing armies. You said 15 years ago. I mean, that yeah. was the heyday, man. Like, we had sushi every night. We, like, exactly. It was nuts. Like, <laughs> if you just said across the board that there's 10% non-screen, like non-impacting the image waste in a budget, and so I'm going to oh take gosh. that, I'm going to apply it to the health and well-being right. of the crew. Mm-hmm you probably could sort that out, right? Box lunches instead of, mm-hmm. you know, four mm-hmm. caterers walking around with fresh cooked food every five minutes. 
that stuff doesn't happen in TV, by the way, or that I'm true that I've seen. But I don't know if you remember this or not, but we used to be called the waffle eaters in New York <laughs> for the commercial kids because, you know, you'd be filming at Silver Cup and I don't know, Sopranos or, um, you know, Sex mm-hmm. in the City or uh, even 30 Rock would be filming and they would just come over and eat all the aircraft service because they didn't have anything. <laughs> exactly. But still, you know, it, every group has its form of sort of waste exactly. in, in the yeah. form of, let's call it, creature comforts mm-hmm. that were nice. But again, could we just apply that to this other cost? Yes. And then maybe, you know, budgets mm-hmm. don't really need to to go up as much. Right. The unions, of course, are being asked, like, the, the minimum staffing is going to mm-hmm. need to change just for safety. You know, that maybe that was do an overhaul. I don't know. Anyway. So you work with a massive amount of teams, collaborations, this industry is about collaborating. Do you have any advice for any creatives out there or crew out there that are kind of waiting for things to come back online? What I like is what I am seeing people do with the tools available at home, largely across social media. Yeah. You know, and I, I had a, a long, not even a hiatus, but from TV to essentially social content for you know, about 12 years there. And that stuff is super exciting for creators. And when I say that, I don't mean just Instagram influencers. I just mean creative people. (laughs) Yeah. These are are great filmmakers that make stuff Uh pretty much by themselves all day anyway. Mm -hmm. And like, this is their time to shine. That's the kind of stuff that I love. And then maybe you know, we will be learning from that, like yes, the sort of yeah. old world mm-hmm. can learn from this other kind of storytelling. That's kind of the most exciting thing. And I think also a little bit of forgiveness from the audience on production value and certain kinds of content, live performances, you know, yes. we need the audio to be great. We need to see what's going on. We need some emotion. But that can work on Instagram live. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. great. And, you know, save the rest of that money for the sort of high art scripted, you know, those kind of shows as well. So totally, maybe there's just a whole little bit of a a mindset change. We'll see in production. Yeah, that was one of the most, and I think it may have been our third episode in shutdown where power of storytelling, where we were starting to see all these really creative people do stuff out of their home on Zoom, on Instagram Live, on Facebook Live, figuring it out live on air. And there was this massive swath of forgiveness to see, you know, a celebrity or or somebody try and figure something out and try and entertain because that's what's in them that they just need to put out there in the world. And I was excited to see this moment of live TV coming back, Mm -hmm. live TV, you know, that we're all collectively watching this one thing at one time. And that was very special and very like exhilarating to see that kind of come together. Yeah. And and to your point, yeah, there is some forgiveness going on. Like, you know, who is it? Sean Mendes or something performing in his bedroom and his bed is unmade yeah. and his, with his sneakers <laughs> on. The, you know, it's just like, wow, this is this is really interesting. Yeah. I, I hope we can see some of that. And I don't know, you know, if, if that's ever in your thinking of when developing a slate for next year of bringing some of those kind of things keep holding some of that kind of stuff. It's funny. We talk about it. I think we, you know, we don't have the expertise in some of that and need to turn to a Mm. different class of artists. But 
What is interesting too, like the flip side of that, I've noticed when I look at the sort of late night across the board and probably coming soon with sports if it's performed without a live audience is there's a loss of energy. Like sure, Seth Meyers can say all the same things and be as funny and clever and insightful, but you can see he has no one to play off. Like it's, he's not getting the feedback yeah for good or ill right and i think that same thing will happen with sports like i i do want to watch my teams play but you know they need to hear the roar they need to feel the tension and so there's some things that maybe aren't going to work as well if we can't all be a part of it or maybe we have to find a different way it is an audience zoomed in on the big screens in the nfl you know and they i think they've done that in soccer there were some countries that would pipe in the sound of people watching the game. Don't know if that was live and in context, but it would be great. Yeah. You know, and so maybe there's a way to replace it, but you can see and feel that it's necessary for some kinds of performances. Yeah. And may I say snark alert, but Bill Maher (laughs) suffers from no audience uh, a little bit just the most. just a little bit because i'm like oh did that fall was, flat probably because <laughs> there's right, but it was knows? it was interesting to see and i think it points to what who you knows? were saying eric some of those talk show hosts in those first few episodes of them doing live from their living room and they're pausing for laughter they tell the joke <laughs> and they pause for laughter mm-hmm. and it's just those first few episodes of all of them fell so flat and then I think they must have started looking at the YouTubers and the younger generation that are doing these more performative things on YouTube where there's no pausing for an awe. You just go joke, joke, mm-hmm. hit. And then they started, you see, see the development of them starting to edit that way and, and do the jokes that way. And it was great to see them kind of learn how to reinvent what they do for this new style of communication. Yeah, that's another good point. That's the subtlety across all these different media, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, mm-hmm. is emerging and that's always pretty interesting. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Before sure. we let you go, though, we like to ask um, what you miss most. Oh, the camaraderie. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's, <laughs> that's it's got the, goosebumps. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, production it's is true. such a social event. Mm-hmm. You, you work incredibly long mm-hmm. hours. You get very deeply connected to people. They become your work and non-work friends i think it's less like any office environment yeah yeah for sure 100 that's awesome man thank you so much yeah thanks for uh, glad to see you you're doing well yeah stay in touch and hopefully we can check in in a few months down the road when things are a little more back to normal hopefully faster the better yeah we'd love to check in too on what you're doing like if you guys have any new things coming out for sure so well the big the big plug is we have an amazing new show. We have <laughs> we have five shows launching starting from two weeks ago to first week in July. But on the twenty seventh wow. next Wednesday, uh-huh. HBO Max launches. Yes, and our show Legendary launches, and it uh, is going to be okay. awesome. The advertising push for that is relentless in a good yeah. way. I mean, I'm just like, what is this? Why? What are we doing? It's I love super this. Cool. Yeah, it's super cool, and with a cast that you don't ever get to see. Oh, that's great. Yeah, very inclusive, very unique, very bold. All right. So we're Sold. super excited about that. <laughs> and when is the new Queer Eye start? That is June 5th. June 5th. Yeah. 
great. While we're hiatusing awesome. on the production of six. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. All right, thank Eric, you thank much. you so much. What a great guy. I know, like grounded yet optimistic. It's practical yet um, whimsical yeah. almost. It's He's great. And he brought up a really good point, which us being in kind of commercial land, we don't often think of talent all that much. But for a show like Queer Eye or those kind of reality shows where it's all story based mm-hmm. and it's all about the people on camera, not about yeah. production design, those kind of decisions are all based on when their talent's going to feel safe. Right. And it's talent hosts and talent subjects essentially yeah so he's got you know everybody in front of the camera is a talent and it's a and that is the show that is the show yeah so it's a very different approach on when they can start coming back and when they can start doing stuff and Mm -hmm. and also i take 10 percent of the waste and let's apply that to health and safety on set genius yeah uh because it wouldn't i don't know that it would take that much so no well lawrence this show was edited and co-produced by rob bloomke Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia. Just listen. Just listen. Isn't it beautiful? Yes. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, and please keep staying home. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Clean that disgusting phone. You know where you've been. And if you do, go outside. Wear a mask, please. And be sure to send us your recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, if people need you, how can they get you? Two ways. LawrenceTLewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Krishna, by you? SisterChristianProduces.com. All right, everybody. Bye. See you tomorrow, folks. <laughs>